When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe, or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. I'm a long-time listener, but I know that um, Lucy and Royfield are lefties because I've listened to you talk about uh, your political views. And um, I'm not, but I thought, considering the election of uh, Jeremy Corbyn, um, you might quite like this. Meh, 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 meh. Hopefully you'll both see the uh, funny side in that. This is Dum Dum Dum, the show about the reality darky drama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. On the gigantic marrow that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the sewage fertiliser that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of our Flower and Produce show is you. Now, folks, today's Dum Dum is not a Dum Dum, but it's a sheep singing the red flag in honour of Jeremy Corbyn's election. <laughs> Juicy Loose. Hang on, was it you? What do you mean, was it me? Was it you doing that? Why do you say that? Because it sounded comrade. like a bit like your voice, comrade. Wasn't me at all, comrade. Who was it then? Red Ken. I know, but who is Red Ken? Well, I don't know. Dum dum listenership. Red Ken, please out yourself. <laughs> Lucy. Yes. Can you remind our listeners how they can win the accolade of dum de dum of the week? Because I think it's about time, comrade Lucy, that we actually had a dum de dum. Yes. That was a dum de dum Rather than a half-cocked tent by a parakeet and a sheep. <laughs> yes, if you would like to sing us a dum dum give us a plot prediction or massage your marrow. Ring us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Thank you to lovely Shambridges for her amazing voices, to Cosmo for his podcast roundups, and to Sarah Smith for sponsoring us. Um, thanks also to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. He has been very impressed with Joe's sewage fertiliser, so to mm. speak, and he's decided to use it himself, but he's taking the more direct approach and he's just doing it directly onto the plants which isn't easy when they're in a hanging basket <laughs> oh that Derek Fletcher I know he's On a nightmare I don't know what we'd do if he didn't keep doing things Royfield it's good isn't it we'd be in a mess otherwise we, we would would a bit like those hanging baskets there must be a bit of a mess they're outside um, the bull as well that's what's even worse on this week's show, we have calls from Dusty Substances, 
who has a little glimmer, Witherspoon, who's in a state of grace, Andrew Horn, who's been playing Archer's bingo, Glenn Fuller Love, who's not impressed with Usher, Paul Room, who gets all witchery about Derby County, and Catherine Bajant, who wants to clean Neil's face with a spitty tissue. A bit like old Susan. But first, <laughs> before the caller in us, let's hear about Juicy Lucy's week in Ambridge. We opened the week with fighting at the WWF. That's the World Writing Desk <laughs> Federation. David and Elizabeth locked in mortal combat with the thing wedged halfway up the stairs at Lower Loxley while Hooty Jill hopped up and down shouting, Up your end, David! The scriptwriters seemed to have got a bit bored with Ruth, so they decided to start revving her character up and then panicked and did an emergency stop, which made it a rather jerky ride. She initially spent the week ringing up trying to find out what was happening at home, which David responded to like a sulky fourth year coming home from school. What have you been doing? Nothing. Did you have a nice day? You all right? Me mother wasn't someone you could ignore, said Ruth to Usha over a Chelsea bun. Although she'd successfully managed to ignore her for bloody years. So had we. Mm -hmm. The only person to whom she was apparently vital was Usha, who said she was certainly a presence. Hey, David very graciously said, you just bring whatever you like, Ruth, from your mother's home to your own home, Ruth. That's fine. I give you permission. And she said, oh, thank you. And I said something very rude. Then she started being astonished at everything Pip and David had decided in her absence and spent an entire episode saying, stubble turnips, you hogs, whales. <laughs> then in the most bewildering bit, she came back from Prudder all lovey-dovey, said, hello, darling, I've missed you all, had a little cry at missing everybody, I'll make you some crumpets, gave David a watch from her dad, and then within two minutes was yelling at him furiously, stomping around and banging doors because all the decisions had been made without her. Pip then fixed everything by making a tuna pasta bake and eating it. <laughs> My goodness, who knew it was that simple? Someone tell Corbin all he has to do is knock up a tuna pasta bake and sit down with a shadow cabinet, make desultory conversation about sheep and granny heather, and it will all be fine. It was the shortest narrative arc in radio history, and quite frankly, it was nonsense. Joe Grundy, with the freedom that only being very nearly 94, you know, can bring, has decided to grow his tomatoes in the Gay Grable septic tank. I don't know what it is about the Grundys and germs, but it's like catnip to them. Which means Joe's tomatoes are now three feet across and are the only tomatoes in history of the world that come ready stuffed. This will come as a nasty surprise to Anita Millingford, a hastily invented new character who is going to be a judge at the Flower and Produce show. Bloody incomers. Rob made helpful suggestions to Helen about the organic farm shop stock list. It's a local organic farm shop. Rob complained about it being local and organic. He wants them to stock pepperami, ginsters, pasties and WKD. In fact, maybe they could branch out into selling petrol too. And from steaming piles to dreaming spires, Phoebe is going to Oxford. Good for her. She can come back and rule the village with her reading and her writing. Tis the devil's work. Brian decided to suck up to Jenny and tell her she could have gone to Oxford. Jenny couldn't find Oxford on a bloody map, Brian. Kate has returned to her default setting and gone from quiet and sulky to noisy and irritating. I want a field. I want a barn. I want some news. She helpfully told Adam he could dig her some trenches if he was very good. I'm not sure that pooing in a trench is quite the relaxing vibe she's aiming for. It's more Tenko than Babington House, but what do I know? Adam told Brian he sounded like a dinosaur. Tycoonosaurus Grump, God bless him. In Lillian's apparent <laughs> absence, Brian is now the only character that is providing a hefty dose of reality, and long may that continue. 
St. Jill, the martyred mover, potted round the village, thanking people for things. No, thank you, Ruth, for forcing me out of my own home so your mother can move in. I'll tell you what, I'll just lie down in the road outside Brookfield and you can all drive over me. Oh, thank you, Pip, for moving into a cottage <laughs> I could have had. Talking of that, I must check if I've got any cottages anywhere I've forgotten about. I'll be so annoyed if I buy a new one and then find I've got two in the garden I've just got used to seeing. <laughs> Bert popped round the back and checked Carol's marrows and Christine entered her own scones. There's so much angst at the moment, I think we just get a brief way of flour and produce related ribaldry to distract us all. It's a dramatic equivalent of a unicyclist whizzing past the window at a funeral. Now, <laughs> hands up who thinks it's a good idea to introduce Elizabeth, she of the ever accessible tent flaps, to the fair brethren, sons of the man she rogered senseless in her early 20s. Hmm? Because it's not like she has a penchant for impecunious younger men, is it? Oh, well, at least you'll get a goose out of it if nothing else. And finally, <laughs> Kenton took the king's shilling and compromised his high principles by accepting the money from his family. He even went so far as to shake David's hand, but he still got his own back as he'd only just finished helping Joe fertilise his tomatoes. The end. Oh, triumph this week. <laughs> uh, there were, I think the titter quotient went up. Did it? It did, yes. That's good. There's a lot of tittering and guffawing on, on my on my part of the podcasting, Mike. Well done, Freeman. I applaud you. I applaud you and your your roundup efforts. Thank you very much, Royfield. Because you Royfield. know what? Yes, comrade sister. Because you know what? what? You managed to make the last week sound interesting. It was a bit, wasn't it? Blimey, oh, Riley. I was Ooh. I was getting to sort of Wednesday and thinking, please, can something happen? Otherwise, it's all going to be a bit tricky. No, That's it... the problem when they squish everything happening in one week. Then they have mm. three weeks where we're all going, da, 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 da. <laughs> waiting but, for something else to happen. But you know what? We're, right. we're a funny bunch because know, we moan that we it's moan. too racy. Then we yes. moan when nothing happens. Yes, I know. I just think we're a bunch of moaners. We are. Well, we're English. Mm. It's kind of, it's in our, it's hardwired into our DNA, as the Times would say. They all say that about everything. I've had it being told to me that I can't be English. Really? Oh, that was well, me, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> oh, no, I said you couldn't be royalty. Oh, well, oh, oh, I've just remembered mm. something. Can I Can I go for two seconds? Talk amongst yourself. Hang on a second. <laughs> well, I have been reading Philip Larkin's letters to uh, his sort of girlfriend, friend, colleague, whatever, Monica, over the last week. And they're very good, if extremely irritating. He's a very annoying man. But I got to... I can't remember... What year? It's 1940-something. Mm. Um, hang on, I can tell you. 1955. Uh, Sunday morning. I lay in bed listening to the omnibus The Archers. How dull it is. Wish I could have the writing of it for a week. Carol Gray, who is now Carol Tregoran. Carol Gray would seduce Christine, who would turn into a prostitute in an effort to atone for the lapse. Jack Archer would be running in for watering the beer. Walter Gabriel would be gored to death by a bull. Tom Forrest would be caught in one of his traps all night. Dr Cavendish would appear in the News of the World as running a high-class brothel-come-abortion clinic. The possibilities are endless, don't you think? So, see, even in 1955, Philip Larkin <laughs> was doing plot predictions, however bonkers. Because he was going, oh, this is so boring. I wish, and even he was saying about Carol. Even then, he was going about Carol Tregoran seducing Auntie Cardboard and all this sort of thing, just because she obviously had a kind of a a racy uh, sort of character. Then mm. you know, her character stayed true to how it was then and how it is now. I just thought that was really interesting. It made me sort of jump when I got to it. I thought, woo, we're doing the same thing. 
the more things change, the more they stay the same and all yeah. of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but loose. Mm. Uh, because you've man, we've managed to you. Well, you've managed to make the last week uh, sound incredibly interesting. Why don't we go and hear uh, if the caller inners have managed such a feat? Hello, Ambridge three nine six two. Who's first? Uh, dusty substances. Apologising for dusty. being a misery boots. Hello, it's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener. Uh, first of all, a bit of an apology. I've been a right misery boots uh, over the last few messages, and I'm sorry about that. It must have been really tedious. However, I think I have a little glimmer of optimism that there might be something worth uh, listening to to cheer us up over the next few months. And it's the geese. Uh, Toby, if I've got this the right way around. Toby was sent out to purchase three goslings or something and came back with 250 and so far has shifted 30 of them to um, a company called Regals. Uh, Not quite sure who they are. I did think until about this week that they were called Weevils but I think I probably misheard that. Anyway, Regals. And Rex, or the other one, if I've got this the right way around as well, uh, is hoping that Elizabeth will take a handful for Lower Lox's Christmas extravaganza. But geese are blooming big. She wouldn't need many, would she? So I'm predicting that there will be the thick end of a couple of hundred geese still to shift uh, before Christmas. So my prediction is that we're going to have a bit of a run-in between the Fair Brethren and the Grundys uh, trying to shift all these flipping birds because for once in living memory, Ambridgeites will have a choice of two sources of salmonella for their Christmas lunch. You were getting a bit disenchanted, <laughs> weren't you, Dusty? Um, she says the geese are going to take over Ambridge or she says she's looking forward to the geese thing and um, and the inevitable clashes with the Grundys over who's going to supply people's Christmas poultry. Mm. Um... I'm kind of, they just don't seem to be, I mean, no thought seems to have been given because geese are massive. No thought seems to have been given to what they're going to do if they don't shift these things. Well, that is the, um, that is the kind of like the hint which the scriptwriters are throwing in to this now, isn't it? But um... we're going to have tribes of rogue geese roaming the village. Who is that wonderful uh, emailer innerer and forum poster um, that wrote about uh, the archers family and uh, I think very briefly mentioned the fair brethren I can't remember you told him to go and post it on the forum ah yeah, uh, oh um, Isaac Q mm. I've been telling lots Cause... of people to post things on the forum there's I'm, no point I'm... sending me great big emails put them on the forum and then well no because people want them. them read out don't they they I want know. their moment I, in no, the I, sun I, so yes. to speak or their moment on their iTunes podcast download yes which is the equivalent to the sun yes because they rotate around it 365 and a quarter days in duration but um we're going to mention him later aren't we yes we are okay then because I think his wonderful email Yes, it was um, very good. It was it's a great email, but um, kind of touches on a little bit of this kind of uh, Pip and the Frere Brethren yeah. malarkey. Yeah. 
and um yes so i'm just gonna just like pass on uh but dusty it's nice to know that you've come out of your funk yes mm-hmm. i don't like a, a funky funky dusty funky dusty and it, no. <laughs> funky substances it was it was uh we especially don't like funky substances um it was nice this week. It had a lighter touch. The world at war. It was a slightly, slightly. Uh, it was like this week. It was like the I world at war. I thought you agreed with me that it was boring. Well, no, it was a go. bit more like the world at war crossed with the Chuckle Brothers. There were kind of jokes about <laughs> fertilizer and you know furniture moving and ha ha ha, and there was no opera. Hoorah! Uh, so yes, that was very good. Do you not like opera? I do like opera. I don't like listening to middle class people wittering on about it and kind of sniggering at people who don't know why how to do you behave. have a real sense of class self-loathing lucy because this is a long-running thread between your you know in your comments um because i'm a natural outsider and i don't like cliques and i don't like people i think writery people often are on the outside looking in and our urge is always to break up cliques and groups of people who feel bonded together. I don't like it. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And I don't like that kind of smug middle class. Oh, no, we can do it because we're different, but you all have to not do it. And I don't like that at all. I'm surrounded hmm. by it. That's probably why I don't like it. OK, well, hmm. you know. All right. Yes, fine. That's a Good. perfectly fine. adequate explanation for your class self-loathing. Um, who's the next caller? <laughs> uh, with a spoon. Ooh, with a spoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy Royfield and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis on an always slightly more somber 11th of September here in New York City. But I always have the archers to make me smile. Handsome husband who suffers from a bit of insomnia woke me up this morning to listen to Grace Archer on Women's Hour, teasing us with the great reveal that she had not been killed off because of the ITV debut, but for other more personal reasons. Stay tuned till next week. It kind of feels like the build-up for Doctor Who's 50th anniversary special and that wonderful movie, An Adventure in Space and Time, and makes one realize that the entire reason for the introduction of the Fair Brethren and Jill's expression of her odd resentment toward the ghost of her late husband's first wife is for all of us to get to listen to Dead Girls Tell No Tales. This has been an unpaid advertisement for the BBC. Just finished listening to the uncomfortable moment of Kenton offering his hand to David, and then in a moment that reflects his level of maturity, telling Jolene, Nah, nah, just kidding. I didn't really mean that at all. I'd say that Kenton would be one tough nut to crack in my office. It's been a difficult week for David, hasn't it? Moving heavy furniture, his mother nagging him, wet t-shirt races with his daughter, his wife giving him a watch one second and then screaming at him the next. He's a hard worker and a well-meaning man, but it wouldn't have been too difficult to keep his wife informed on some significant financial and business decisions. The fact that he didn't just didn't ring true to me. To use a tennis metaphor in honor of this weekend in Flushing Meadow, double fault scriptwriters. But as David and Ruth are the touchstone couple of the archers, it all ha- ended happily with a smooch. One more thing, why did it take this long to figure out that Pip should move into Rickyard? 
Wasn't she partying there before she was transformed into a matron? And does that mean that Jill is saved from being the Dowager Countess of Lower Loxley? And will David have to schlep her writing table back to Brookfield? I can hardly wait for the answers. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis signing off until next week. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs Mercy and Yes, fair brethren And Grace, we are hearing a lot about Grace at the moment uh, And that uh, the documentary thing is coming on I actually heard, and I can't for the mm. life of me remember where I heard it That mm-hmm. the reason Grace Archer was the actress Was why she was sort of finished so uh, dispatched so rapidly Was to do with the ITV thing And that they wanted a big bank crash wallop thing to divert attention from ITV, but also because the actress wanted to introduce equity pay rates, Uh, which the BBC uh, weren't paying. So she was regarded as a bit of a troublemaker. So they got shot of her. Now, I didn't, I did not get... on the week when Jeremy Corbyn has been elected leader of the (laughs) Labour Party and the Tory government are bringing in legislation to knacker the unions yet again. Well, I did. I did not. I have to say, I did not hear that. Comrade from, sister. Comrade, well done. Thank you very much. I did not hear that from uh, <laughs> an archer's person. I did not hear that from uh, anybody connected with the BBC. I heard it mm. from somebody completely outside. And to be honest, I can't even remember who it was, but it certainly wasn't anybody BBC. So it may be a total apocryphal story. Um, but that's it's just a rumour that I heard. Mm. But I think it's quite good. I quite like that idea. Well, you want to know something. What? Kim Cottrell from Sex and the City fame yes. and Sarah Jessica Parker yes. didn't like each other at all because yeah. uh, Sarah Jessica Parker got much more moolah, like yes. humongously much more moolah for doing Sex and the City than, Kim than the others. Kim Cottrell's quite lefty, isn't she? And from Liverpool... Uh, yeah. You know, um, yeah, got low, big social conscience, etc. And she and she just complained all the way through, and uh, that was their big schism. And uh, they don't like each other. And she just says she set up for life, and I think the rest of us also should have been as well because we contributed to that show, and uh, we didn't get what was due to us. Yeah. Mm. So there Quite is. Right. A link I think to... Carrie was the least interesting person on that show, to be honest. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, it just shows what good actress she is anyway, because you Mm. wouldn't get that from the thing. Anyway, um, and now, Royf. Yes, Lucy. You have taken me to task on many occasions Mm -hmm. for saying that David's relationship with Pip is a little bit cringy to listen to. And you say, I've got a thing about incest and I'm always going on about it. But did you not think this week that it was written... I don't, it was like the scriptwriters have never seen a father and a daughter talking to each other. All that, I'll race you back in from the rain. You know, oh, you're soaked. It was, it, that's like the end of Four Weddings and a Funeral. It's in, <laughs> in terms of a sort of a romantic comedy trope, that's mm-hmm. when they're standing in the kitchen soaking wet and someone takes their top off. You know, it's that, you know, oh, I don't even notice the rain because, you know, and giggling around. No wonder poor Ruth feels bloody excluded. Um, and, you know, most father-daughter relationships are, hello, it's me. Oh, right. You're right. Do you want to speak to your mother? Hang on. That's it. That's that's kind of the extent of it. <laughs> There's none of this kind of, oh, dad, I need to, t-, you know. It just seems to be written by somebody that has never, ne- never um, 
I don't know, just, just I did just seems so. I sort of listened to it half appalled. It's like Pip's really heavy-handed flirting is with her father as well as with the fair brethren and everyone else. But David seems to respond in this weirdly flirty way. Well, and it's not just me. Other people have said it. But that's because half the people that listen to this show see sexual innuendo in the most, <laughs> in a, no, in, but this innocuous a funny sexual innuendo. Line. This is just, yeah, okay. I will, just badly written. I will say oh. it was probably somewhat written with a leaden hand, yes. with a leaden pen, a leaden yeah. quill or whatever it is. Uh, but obviously those scenes there just to show us how close the pair actually are and how they work together quite well. And but because you've got the weird mind that you have, um, you saw into it that you know something terrible and beastly uh, no, not was, was burgeoning. Beast. I'm not suggesting that you know they're. Yeah, they're, you are. You just have. Well, you know, you have not suggested. really. You spent three minutes just suggesting it. <laughs> no, it's the you way say, I'm the not du- it. I don't. Oh God, this is. I was just going to say, I'm not suggesting that in real life they are because obviously it's not real life anyway. But they're they're. It's the way it's written. It just keeps giving this suggestion when I know they don't mean to give that suggestion. They're trying to suggest a level of intimacy between them as father and daughter, but it's coming out all wrong. Mm. It really is. It's been put through some, and it's not just being put through the weird mangle of my brain, but it's just, uh, just wrong. Okay, let's agree that it was written with um it was written weirdly yeah and you've got a weird brain okay yeah all right i'll probably concede that yes yes fine i'll take that <sighs> Andrew Hall- fair, oh, sorry. you're in good company yeah. <laughs> <laughs> half of twitter all going <laughs> morning royfield lucy and dumpty dummers everywhere um i've got a few points this week and they are mainly about last week's show so i'll just rattle through them um i know I agree about the class divide, different uh, attitude if Eddie had jacked his job in rather than Pip. But on the wider converse conversation about um, bankruptcy and approach to bankruptcy, um, I don't think that's so much a class issue. I think uh, it's a it's a post Thatcher legacy. Um, both bankruptcy and redundancy are now have now had the stigma uh, pretty much removed from them. And uh, 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 in our much more free uh, economic cycle, whatever uh, whatever you think that's good or bad in terms of protection in the workforce and the workplace, the stigma has definitely gone. Um, I'd like to congratulate Lucy on getting Hazel Slivine into the official Archers bingo. I think that was you who created that. So that was good. Uh, Jamie uh, and his apprentice, he did start with Mike Tucker, but Mike couldn't offer him a full-time apprentice role, so they found another local woodsman. And now I'm beginning to get a bit paranoid. I think the script writers have been in my kitchen poking around and looking in the cupboards. Um, They will always find a packet of fig rolls because they are my favourite biscuit. Uh, And they will also always find the... uh, um, Ingredients for a tuna pasta bake, which is the default option if you need to rustle up something midweek. So, yes, I think I need to go and change my locks. Andrew Horn, who rang nice in to tell man, us that, that Horn bloke, I know, and he rang in to tell us that fig rolls are his favourite biscuit. So that's Ooh, good, Andrew. I've got Thank a fig you. roll anecdote. Go on, tell me. 
Right. So um, when I went up to college in uh, late eighties, first time living away from home, lived with a guy called Ian who's from Blackpool, and there's a big fig roll factory in Blackpool. Um, I don't know whether it's Jacobs biscuits or whatever, but anyway, regardless. Uh, and he said to me, um, "Great working at the biscuit factory because you can just like eat a biscuit whenever you want." He says, but we all take biscuits apart from biscuits that are on the fig roll production line. And I says, why? And he says, because when the figs are, the figs are industrially just kind of hoovered off uh, the leaves and there's insects and flies ah! bugs, and then they're just compressed. He says, nobody in the biscuit factory ever eats fig rolls. My True God. fact. True fact from my student days. What the hell's in Gary Baldy's then? <laughs> Italian revolutionaries. <laughs> no, because I call them squash fly biscuits. Maybe they really are. <laughs> well, oh, Gary Baldi biscuits. Uh, they're, they're all good. They're all good. It was the fig rolls, Lucy. Ooh. Don't, you know, I, I'm, we're probably going to get sued by the fig roll, uh, you know, Manufacturers Association now because sales will plummet. But, yeah, true fact. But it's never stopped me eating them. I love them. I've got a fig story. Can I tell you my fig story? <laughs> go on, I can't go believe on. I've got a fig. We're turning into Danny the ba Danny Baker show. Um, I had uh, an ex-boyfriend who was extremely uh, vain and um, he used to wear the sort of clothes that made me laugh, which is why he didn't remain my boyfriend for very long. And uh, he went on holiday. Did he wear with... a kilt? No, he didn't, actually. Okay. He, uh, but... He was quite fond of white trousers, which is why I got shot of him. Mm. But he uh, went... Don Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I think that's you kind You went of... out with Don Johnson? No, I think that's kind of who he... Oh, never mind. Um, he was on holiday with uh, his ex-girlfriend and he was wearing these white trousers. Mm. And he um, was sitting in on this balcony in uh, Capri... And it was all very romantic and lovely and he felt very glamorous and everything. And he stood up to go to the bar and his girlfriend said, oh my God, your trousers. And he said, what? And she said, you've sat in a fig. It's completely burst all over the back of your trousers. <laughs> and you know, because they're like bright purple right on his bum. But in, in, you know, it looked like he was hemorrhaging some sort of thing. So anyway, he shuffled off to the loo to try mm. and wash it off. And it just, there's no way it was gonna come off. Mm. So he shuffled back out of the loo and he was saying to his girlfriend, come on, let's just go, let's just go. And, and it was this incredibly chic bar. Mm. And they walked through and everybody noticed there was no way he could keep sidling. Mm. So someone mm. tapped mm. him on the shoulder, this incredibly glamorous woman, and said, e excuse me, your, your, your trousers, you've, you've had some sort of accident. And he said, I know it was the figs. <laughs> he said... <laughs> <laughs> And he just went home, went back to the hotel and sat in his room and sulked all evening because he just completely ruined his own chic moment. <laughs> anyway. I, I had a trouser malfunction once. A spectacular one. And uh, it wasn't my, uh, my, it wasn't my figs that were exposed, but my plums were. <gasps> yeah. And now this, I don't know why, right, Lucy, but... Mm. Many moons ago, well, I, well, I, when I owned this shop in Birmingham, uh, this clothes shop, um, I took to wearing trousers without any underwear. I don't know why. I don't know why. Anyway, so we're in this nightclub this once, and there's a group of us, and we're, and we're all dancing away to the to the latest hits of the moment. 
and I was dropping some very convincing shapes. And then I says, right, I'm going to command this dance floor, everybody. And everybody's like, go Royfield, go Royfield. And it was like a circle of people. <laughs> okay. And then I've decided to get down low. Right. I says, look, look at me. I can get down low. And my trousers ripped and, and my baby making tackle fell out. Oh and my, God. my trousers, Lucy. And I was just having the time of my life. And all of a sudden I felt breathe <laughs> fresh air and breathe. I shouldn't have felt it. I never sobered up so quickly in all my life. Oh. I just went, whoop, okay, party over. I'm going now. <laughs> Royfield and, and his plums have left the building. Yes. <laughs> and my girlfriend at the time said, what's the matter with you? You're like, she hadn't noticed. So I don't know if that says anything about the size of my plums oh, or whatever. Well, I'm I went, sorry, Royfield, I, I didn't know. The Jesus <laughs> out of my, <laughs> of my balls have just dropped out. And she my says, she says really? No, no, they haven't. And I went, they absolutely have. I tell you, I've never been so mortified in all my life. I ripped the dry roses from the front to the very back and I had the side layer that Oh, but anyway, anyway, that story ha has another dimension, but the, this is a family podcast, so I'm not going to bother uh, going down that road. And so, also we are supposed to be, we started off talking about fig rolls, which Andrew won. <laughs> oh, <out>. yes. Andrew, <laughs> by the way, thank you for lunch, Andrew. Um, it's very lovely. And um, oh, he's, he's a lovely bloke, is our Andrew, Did he take he? you to the hotel as well? What? <laughs> <laughs> No, Lucy, he didn't. <laughs> um, did he actually say anything of a substance in his call pertaining to the archers? He, well, he distracted me by talking about tuna pasta bake. And he said mm -hmm. that he thinks that the, the archers have been going through his cupboards because uh, he, they'd have found fig rolls and the ingredients for a tuna pasta bake. Everybody has got the ingredients for a tuna pasta bake, but it does not take away from the fact that it is like sick in a bowl. Mm -hmm. It's disgusting. It's like cat food with some pasta in it. It's well, no, horrid. I think it looks disgusting, but well, it's quite nice. Anything with tuna fish just tastes like cat food. When's the last time you ate cat food? It tastes like cat food smells. Picky. Mm. Oh. But anyway, my God, she was treated like she just won Bake Off, didn't she? <laughs> Flipping it. <laughs> Woo! you're so clever. I didn't know you could put some pasta in a bowl and grate cheese over the top of it. But her mother, you know, complimenting anybody in their cooking skills isn't really much of a high accolade, is no, it? No, no. Not exactly Mary Berry, is she? <laughs> Hello, Dum to Dum. It's Glenn here. First of all, uh, let's say you remain my podcast of the week, favourite podcast of the week, and please keep it up. I'd like to talk about Ruth. I'd like to talk about what Usha said to her about being the, the centre of Brookfield. When I heard that, I almost shouted out, no, you're not, just as well I didn't as I was listening on a podcast and it would rather have startled my fellow commuters. But then I got thinking, uh, well, why don't I think she's at the centre of Brookfield? Why isn't she the beating heart of Brookfield? She is undoubtedly uh, a full partner in the farm. She takes as much responsibility for the farmer's David, and that's absolutely fine, that's great. But I don't think she is the co-steward of Brookfield in the same way that Jill was the co-steward of Brookfield with Phil. And by that I mean I don't think she's got that emotional connection 
where she sees Brookfield as eternal and she's looking after it for a period until the next generation takes it on. Glyn Fuller Love said that when Usha said Ruth was the heart of Brookfield, he sort of went, no, she's not. And so did I. Mm. I think this is being highlighted more and more in a very interesting and for once, thank you, quite subtle way in that, you know, you she's married, she married David, but David was already married to the farm and his family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she you don't you do get the sense that she doesn't she doesn't see herself as a custodian of the land in the way that David does or even Pip does. Um, she does see it as a, she, she's a career. Like he said, she's a career farmer um, and she is able to put family before it. But for him, for David, family and the farm are so intrinsically um, wedged together. He can't possibly he can't separate the two things at all. Uh, so yeah I'm kind of feeling sorry for her but she's still bloody irritating mm. there is when uh, when I listened to Glyn's call I did go you know what you are right mm. but the way that it kind of played out for me made sense for me what was less so about you are the heart of um, of, of you know of Brookfield because you um, are married to David or on a slightly, you know, slightly pushed off to one side or whatever it is. But actually, as a character, she doesn't actually dive into village life as much as the others, does she? Her point person outside of the family is uh, Usher. Yeah. That, that's it. Yeah. You know, and okay, she occasionally wanders into the shop. You don't really hear her in the bull. Um, you know, she, she she never won the single wicket. You know, etc. Cetera, et cetera. <laughs> All of the, you know, she doesn't go in for the plays, etc. So when uh, when Glenn said that, I went, you know, it's absolutely spot on. Yeah. But for me, it was because you know she doesn't really embrace village life in the way that let's say Pat does. Pat Pat's best friend is um, oh god, what's her name? You're Kathy. Uh, but, you know, she, Pat, he's there uh, getting upset about roads or anaerobic digestions. You know, there's things outside of um, her farm that she mm. actually gets involved in. And, you know, and she's, you know, forever down down the, sh- you know, and obviously there is her and the uh, the kind of the parlor business and stuff. So that she has interactions with Clary and, and with Susan and stuff. So, but no, I, I think he's absolutely spot on. Mm. And and it has been written that she's always been an outsider within the family. And then yeah. obviously when there was the whole, um, you know, will they, won't they kind of move uh, to Prada thing. There was that instance where, you know, Lizzie and Shula were wittering away and then she walked into the room yeah. and they kind, of, they kind of froze. So, yeah. yes, you know, absolutely Glyn is right. But there is a wider kind of kind of cul-de-sac of relationships that uh, Ruth is, but then, is kind I mean, of in. In Ruth's, in Ruth's sort of defence, how could you possibly compete with Jill as a matriarch? A, she wouldn't let you. She'd just kill you. Somehow she'd win. But <laughs> also, you know, she is she is the consummate, ultimate agri- rural matriarch. And there's no, you know, she can deliver a lamb with one hand while she's whipping up a Victoria sponge with the other. And, you know... Yeah, but you, you just know, cannot I, compete with that. No, but yeah, but no, but yeah, because Pat has Peggy to deal with, and Pat um, is 
a matriarch w- within her own right. She isn't the ultimate kind of artist family matriarch, but mm, Pat yeah, has yeah, had, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe. mother-in-law from hell yeah. in effect uh, yeah. to deal with and has managed to do that. Yeah. Has a healthy respect for a mother-in-law, but doesn't take everything she says hook, line and sinker, does yeah. she? Yeah, no, no, that's true. But she's no, still not the, quite the same as... She's not the churchy kind of pillar of the community that... Um, that Jill is. Jill kind of does things because Jill's, because that's what you do. But Pat is, has a more sort of cerebral approach to things, a more Mm. intellectual approach, I think. Mm. Yes. Well, I'll agree with that, uh, comrade sister. Um, All right. uh, Who's next on the caller in a front? Paul Rum. After enjoying listening to the last episode of Dumpty Dum this week, I thought I'd sit out in the garden and have a read of my Derby County Football Club programme from the last home game I went to against Leeds. The match didn't go in our favour and I hadn't summoned up the mental energy to open the programme until now. It was worth it though as there was an interesting article about obscure trophies that Derby have won over the years that made me think of times past and brought a smile to my face with the coming together of my loves of DCFC and the Archers. Apparently, in the late 60s and early 70s, there was a BBC TV quiz show called Quiz Ball, where two football teams were pitted against each other. Derby entered in 1970 with a team made up of three star players, and bizarrely, Bob Arnold, who played Tom Forrest in the Archers. The lads done well and made it all the way to the final against Crystal Palace, where Tom Forrest, a.k.a. Bob, came good and scored in the 4-2 win. We'll take any silverware we can at Derby. Reading this made me reminisce and pine for the Archer's Omnibus edition of old, with Tom giving a short monologue at the start of the programme about some old country way or the other, that led into the first scene. A bit like Lucy's monologues, just not as funny. Ah, how I miss old Tom. He went on about Derby County. I don't know. <laughs> said something about Tom Forrest. No, he didn't. He said he missed Tom Forrest. I miss Tom Forrest. Yes. And uh, I've forgotten about that preamble. Well, I think it sort of ended before I well, started Well, yeah, I, I, I didn't know that. I and... think it was 1972. That's right. It's 1972. They stopped doing that. The Tom Forrest preamble, which okay. was when I was born. What do you mean so you think? In other words, you did a Google. But no, I was reading something else about when it stopped being um, an everyday story of country folk, mm-hmm. and it was in 1972. That's when they dropped the Tom Forrest bit and kind of just gave up and thought, "Oh, no one cares about farrowing. Let's all talk about um, uh, who's, who's zooming who." Yeah, exactly. Um, can I just say that um, there's a kind of reverse snobbery with, with football fans that um, one of the reasons why lots of, I would say, true football fans hate Manchester United fans is because they are fans of them because they are successful. And there's a reverse snobbery that, you know, my team is really crap. That's the reason why yeah. I love them. Right. And I'm a Birmingham City fan. So, you know, which side of the fence I sit on this. However... I've got big love for Paul Room, but Paul Room saying that in the early 70s, we had to take the cups where we could get them is such a crock of horse poo. 
right? <laughs> because Derby County won the Division One Championship twice in the early 70s. That was the purple patch of Derby County under Don Mackay and then um, Brian Clough. Just saying, Paul. Anyway, uh, I thought it was a lovely call and I thought it was a very clever call. Though he sounds, it sounded a little bit slow and drawn out, didn't he? He did. I think he'd had his mogadon. He had. And no coffee to balance it out. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand on beards? I try not to stand on them if at all possible. <laughs> Unless they're really long and then you can't really avoid it. Where no. I live, there are quite a few very long beards. I'll tell you one thing that I've noticed with a beard, right? Mm. That beards grey faster yes. than the hair on your head. Yeah. Why is that? Can somebody please, please explain that to me? Considering that the capillaries in a beard aren't, shouldn't be as old as the capillaries on your head because... This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I've only just sprouted after puberty. I don't know, Royfield. Thank you. All That's right. all right. Well, I'm just throwing that out. There to our Something I've related. noticed is that you don't want to go anywhere near anyone who's got a beard when they've just had a tuna pasta bake. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Catherine Bajant. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Catherine Bajant here. I nearly didn't call in this week as um, apparently it's a bit boring that I keep calling in all the time, according to one of your presenters. It's a bit rude, isn't it? Anyway, here I am. And I've noticed this week that... The Archers was mainly made up of terrible flirting and dreadful food. Anyway, there was no mention, sadly, of Susan's chilli this week, although she did manage to remove some debris from uh, Neil's face by spitting into a tissue. I really loved that scene, actually. I just think they're a welcome bit of relief in amongst the misery and weeping wailing. At least you feel they do actually have a bit of a laugh together unlike Pip and Rex, who, yeah, they, I was talking about the, the terrible flirting. Well, both of them were absolutely rubbish at it. And that scene where she offered to share her flask of instant coffee with him and then he started waxing lyrical about how delicious it was, it was just incredibly depressing. I think she's her mother's daughter when it 
comes to culinary expertise. Neil and yes, the Neil and Susan bit when she's rubbing his crap off his face with the tissue, and when he when he sort of spun it out and wouldn't tell her that Justin Elliott had put up the money for the Justin Elliott Memorial Celebration Trophy Hall, whatever it's going to be called. Um, Do you think Justin, Justin Elliott, Elliott King is of really the world, Donald well, Trump? Well. No, but I do think that that was another incredibly dodgy bit of script writing because mm. Justin Elliott is, I put on Twitter, Justin Elliott is far too canny an operator to do that. He's not an idiot. He's not in it for ego. He's in it for money. He's in whatever he does, he does for money. He doesn't just do it for ego. And I don't think he would want the village hall called the Justin Elliott Village Hall. Who would care what a potty little village hall's called? I think that's mm. absolute shite. He might want to call it the BL Hall or the BL something Hall or whatever, but not his own name. That's just ridiculous and he doesn't fit in with the character at all. Lucy. Yes. You have very strong feelings on this, mm-hmm. right? And as you said, you have tweeted about it and all of a sudden, you know, there's been a certain level of invective in your delivery yeah. talking about this. Now, how much character exposition... How much just character time have we actually had with Justin Elliott on our wonderful docudrama since Justin Elliott as a character was introduced? But it's a class thing. He's he's played by Simon Williams, who has a genuine upper class accent. Mm. He, you know, he he is a gentleman farmer. It's like... Brian Aldridge and Jennifer Aldridge would be very happy and are happy to have the Ambridge Memorial Wood. Mm-hmm. But Justin Elliott is a class above. I'm not saying he's a knight. I'm not, I'm not, there's, there's no kind of moral um, thing. They're nicer or he's nicer or anyone's nicer. And it's not about being nice or good or whatever. He is a class above that. And he would see having his name on something as a little bit cheap and crap. Mm. Okay. Well, um, you're it's much di- more attuned to the rural social it's, yeah, strata it's, than it's, me. It's, uh, I'm not being, being, I'm not just sort of playing devil's advocate, but it is different in the country. People are obsessed with people knowing their place. Mm. And, you know, my mum listens to The Archer sometimes and she says to me, uh, Eddie wouldn't call Jill Jill he'd call her Mrs Archer or something like that she and she knows because that's how we that's how we were brought up that's kind of the 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 um the society we were brought up in Mm. where you you know the the class demarcation was very very rigid and uh and you just don't get the same thing in cities at all it Mm. kind of everybody merges and it's much more difficult to know where you are um but in the country it's still incredibly uh, yeah, it's quite still Downton Abbey, you know, it's still quite um, marked out. And yeah, I just think it's rubbish. It just didn't sit right at all. That. And he knows it would just piss everybody off if he's doing it as a kind of a philanthropic gesture to make everybody like him. You don't stamp your name all over it. He's not that daft. Are they mowing the lawn again outside your house? They are. Have you got any, any lawn are. left? <laughs> Um, there's a lot of grass for them to mow and obviously they must mow it every Monday morning or, you know, if there's something to be done, um, it gets mowed on a Monday morning. Could you have a word with one of your undergardeners and ask them to do it when we're not <laughs> recording Dumpty Dumpty? I will do, I will do. Uh, there's the last thing just to say about um, 
your three minutes of uh, of um, you know declaration about your feelings about uh, Justin Elliott is that you say he's played by the actor Simon Williams. Mm. Simon Williams, the actor, um, is uh, the civilian persona of the hero Wonder Man. And that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Hollywood actor and he wears shades. And um, yeah, he's Simon Williams and uh, he is Wonder Man and he was an Avenger. So there you go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now and we've had thank some... you to the people who said that they um, somewhat enjoyed uh, the slight, slight divergence of uh, conversation last week where we talked just for 30 seconds. That's all it was. Possibly <laughs> even just 25 seconds. It Possibly felt like even longer, 20. to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was somebody on the Twitters yes. who went, it was boring <laughs> and don't ever do it again but it's only because she that. couldn't she couldn't fast forward because she was driving down the motorway so she had to just listen to it all that was why she was annoyed it's only about 20 seconds <laughs> um we've had some emails Ooh, i love a email uh silver girl said it was a long email and i asked her to put it on the forum and she did but she says, she's talking about Rob and Henry. She said, it all centres on Rob having to be in control of the centre of Helen's attention. You commented that Henry seems a lot more compliant these days. This would make sense as he must be learning that being a good boy keeps the peace and stops his caregivers being tense or angry with him. Is the bedwetting a subconscious outlet? Yes, it is. And I would say, and also I think that he is going to find this I Joseph. Think the the bedwetting is less to do with the subconscious outlet of any kind of anxiety of keeping the peace. I would just say that he wants to be like Rob. I think you nailed it last week. Um, and um, you said that Henry's going to become a little misogynist because mm. he's going to, you know, uh, he's going to look up to Rob. Mm. And surely what uh, the bedwetting is, is disruption of his routine mm. and going to school. Mm. And I think somewhere on the, on our forum, um, Sam Mary D, who's got a crystal ball called the Radio Times, has kind of looked into the future and has seen possibly where this storyline is going to go, that Rob is going to suggest that um, Helen... Uh, that Henry has a more settled um, environment, and 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 I think that will you know cure him of his bedwetting, not in the short term, but in the long term. I think it's just the disruption mm. of going to school and having uh, and, and meeting new people, and, and he's just unsettled. I, I don't think this is Rob per se. Okay, says the I wondered about bedwetter until the age of eleven. Oh, I wondered about um, not as bad as the boy that smelled the biscuits. <laughs> Um, Mark Blunt. Mark, Mark, Mark. <laughs> um, my ears pricked up when she they mentioned Joseph mm-hmm. uh, as this boy who's not being very nice to 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 um, Henry uh, and and Helen saying possibly he that, that he, he's not he's sort of being bullied or picked on and that's why he doesn't like. It. So I could just add visions of Rob bearing down on Henry's dad and on Joseph's dad and thumping him or you know something like that, getting into trouble. There's a spectacular scene in True Detective where um, Crumbs, what's that um, Irish actor called? Um, who was in Bruges. His name just escapes me for a second. Don't know, don't care. Well, True Detective season two. 
Um, I've only watched about four of the episodes. His name's Colin something or another. Colin Farrell. There you go, Colin Farrell. He plays a detective and he has a son who now lives with um, his wife and his wife's new partner. And he takes his son to school one day and his son um, is this little little uh, roly-poly boy and he's incredibly timid and shy and Colin Farrell uh, discovers that he's being bullied and detective uh, Colin Farrell takes matters into his own hands by going round to the boy's house and beating the bejesus out of his father. And it's sort <laughs> of a shocking scene. Yeah. And you could see that Rob yeah. uh, would do a similar thing in a bit more of a watered-down way. Because I think Rob is actually physically actually a, a coward, but he would at least front it. And, yes, you know, yeah. like he did with the fellow. sap. Exactly. And then go, ah, exactly. you hit me, you hit me. Not yeah, me, exactly. you hit me. Yeah. Exactly. Get. And the whole thing happens in front of uh, the bully as as oh, well, and okay. uh, yeah. Um, but I'm I'd be interested to find out people's feelings about True Detective season two because uh, critically it's been somewhat panned after the excellence that was season one, uh, and I, I've only got three or four episodes in. Uh, normally, when I mention some kind of show, somebody somewhere, whether it's a email or on the twitters or. Um, via voicemail kind of says oh ah yes blah 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 so please tell me whether i should soldier on because if if it's not worth it i won't (laughs) uh next email is cosmo Mm. uh who is bringing to question i love cosmo the funding of the works at the ball which seems cockeyed Jamie owns something no one knows a percentage sid left the rest to jolene lily owns lillian owns 51 percent Bought from Caroline, who'd bought it in 2000 to fund Sid's divorce. Cosmo, how do you remember all this? Kenton, Kenton moved in with Jolene and they married. With the exception of Helen, women are entitled to own their own assets these days. And I am not aware <laughs> that Kenton has ever been formally added to the ownership of the bull. So why is it Kenton's responsibility to find £26,000? And the 49%, less Jamie's share, would have seen significant sums paid off over 15 years. So why was remortgaging so impossible? And given that Matt cleaned out Lillian's accounts, I would have thought she would have had more difficulty finding £26,000. I noticed there was a new scriptwriter this week, which probably accounts for some of the words appearing through the speakers on various subjects sounding less than convincing. Ooh, harsh words, Cosmo. Um, Isaac Q. Excellent, excellent email. I've had to edit it for legal reasons, Isaac. Uh, but I think it is in its full, unexpurgated... Legal reasons or just the reasons of length on a podcast, which has no fixed length? Uh, no, legal reasons. Ooh, okay. Mm. Um, uh, it, I think it is in full on the forum. Um, he said, as others have pointed out, this hack and slash mentality... Uh, has led to sloppiness, <laughs> That's unbecoming. That's a great little uh, Michelin-starred restaurant in central London, and it <laughs> slash. <laughs> all, all the media glitterati go there. Uh, it is unbecoming of our Archer's writers. Jamie and Cathy have vanished with no resolution. Daryl mm. and Rosa may have had a reconciliation scene, barely, but still no explanation given for where they've disappeared to. Matt was written out the show in the most half-assed way. Well, we know why that was. Even the Grundies who could generally be considered an exception to the Archer family-only rule, have been sloppily handled as Will Grundy spontaneously gave up a decade of ill will and made up with his brother on his wedding day. Then there's been no mention of them in the months since. 
Why are the likes of Mabel Thompson, Artie Satya, Jamie and Kathy, Patrick Hennessy and Spencer Wilkes still listed with full bios on the official Archers Who's Who website, despite being silenced and mentioned for ages, while Daryl and Rosa Makepeace's bios were scrubbed off the site within days of their last episode? And... Think of all the... This is my bit that made me go, yay! Think of all the wonderful peripheral characters who aren't being given a plot, ride, plot line right now because of this pip horse shit. Linda and Robert, <laughs> Jazza, Amy, Carrie, Ian, Nick. Every day we're yawning through another pip scene is a day we could be enjoying one of those other much-beloved characters. Who's Carrie? Has he made oh, one up? Clary. You know oh, Clary. Guys. Sorry. Um... So, yes, uh, and that's it. I don't and I know if very, Amy Franks was a beloved character, but I absolutely take his point. And it was, this was one of those emails where somebody has just clarified what the heck is going on. Yeah. And all I can do is this to that email. It's a stand-up and salute because, you know, it's... Oh, what he has outlined is absolutely what is happening with this show, is that it's become... The Archers. Now, I didn't, I wasn't listening in the 50s or the 60s or even the 70s and only came in, in in the early 80s. And even though it was the Archers and at the core of this village are the two branches of the Archer family and their farms, there were still all these other characters. Mm. And it's taken this email for me to realise this is the reason why mm. there's hardly any Grundies. There's hardly any, you know, yeah. Caroline, you know, where has Caroline gone? She was, for me, she's been a mainstay she's of this. She's in the Grundy world of Tuscany, isn't she? <laughs> well, she's as, you know, I love a bit of Oliver. Mm. You know, uh, all these other characters have just been sidelined. And, and, and absolutely what he said is correct. The thing is, because, and I love, I love Brookers and I love David and I, I'm a big Jill fan, always have been. I loved Phil and I still miss Phil not being um, around. But because they were the mainstays, they were the heart, they were fundamentally boring. They are, because they're solid characters. Mm. There's a reason why Kenton and to a degree Lizzie are actually the, you know, the more interesting archers because they're much more human. You know, um, Lizzie was was, uh, always the flighty one, wasn't she? You know, kind of growing up. Yeah. With a little, you know, hooray, Henry kind of boyfriends, yeah. you know, and Kenton, you know, disappeared, et cetera, et cetera. And he's come back and he's the Joker of the pack. And, and, and he, Isaac has nailed it. The thing is, the mainstays, the, the emotional heart of the whole kitten caboodle, at least on the Brookfield side, you know, the other archers are a little, actually a little bit more interesting. They're, they're not, they're not interesting characters of a whole so we do yawn through your pip and uh, ruth uh you know interactions and david is just as the americans would say a stand-up guy which doesn't make necessarily for great drama we need them there because they are what connects us to the land and to and through the tradition of of owning the farm and it's different generations etc here's another thing as well didn't they say that Josh was turning 18 this week? Because yes. he said he could legally drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, why weren't we in the ball <laughs> with him having a drink? Why weren't we in Borsetshire when he's having a lash? Yeah. And when he's on the lash? Yeah. Do you know what? It is getting to the stage now where continu- when continuity says, 
And now we're going over to Archer's where so-and-so at home farm. And I think, hooray! Because I think somebody interesting. You know, mm. Jennifer or Brian or Kate or, you know, maybe Adam. Um, mm. Or, you know, maybe Debbie's wrong. Who knows? Something interesting yeah. could be happening rather than flipping Hooty, Jill and Pip. Who bloody cares? Well, I, you know, I care. I do care about Jill and I do care about David. I do care about the Brooker's end of the, of the Archer's uh, clan. Because for me, that is actually the heart of the show whatever farm descendants of phil archer are running for me is actually the heart of the show however i massively will concede that they are less interesting in terms of drama yeah by far well i care about them i'm just not interested in them Mm. you know i don't want to know what they're doing unless it's something i think you know we are we're missing a trick with Josh, you know what's happening with all his uh, entrepreneurial skills with, with these eggs. Where, 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 well, he's all disappeared, that? hasn't he? And then he's going to reappear, it's sounding exactly like Charlie Thomas and <laughs> the Fair Brethren <laughs> and New Tom, and he'll be talking like this and be another rugby shirted chap with his collar turned with up. his collar turned up, and you know wearing his flipping. Chelsea boots and everything else, and um... don't knock a Chelsea boot. But <sighs> um, Jamie Perks, yeah, Jamie Perks was just getting interesting, you know. And we, Isaac Q, I'm just gonna again, you you nailed it, yeah. you nailed it. Yeah. It's bit, it's been boiled down to just the archers, and they've brought in. To be fair to um, the Obermeister scriptwriters, they have brought in a fantastic new version of Kate Aldridge. So we can't knock, knock all this because, you know, obviously she is an archer, um, you know. So we have one uh, new, one old archer which has come back in a new guise and she's been an absolutely fantastic introduction. But then it just goes to show how beige, I think is the word you used uh, for Auntie Christine, how beige the Brookers archers are, who I, who I love. I do love them. Anyway, cool. Next call. That's it. Oh, end of course. Right. Um, you know what we've got after we after our ad break, Lucy? What? Millie Bell, she's back. Yay! Technical oh, problems yes, have been bit... solved. Good, good, and good. um yes. Um no goddess Diva, you didn't sleep through Millie Bell. She she wasn't there. And the programme was bereft without her. It was. I love a bit of down under action. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Fancy getting your mouth round something warm? Something comforting you can really get a firm grip on. Why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. Good day, everyone. It's Millie Bell here. I've had an awesome day. We've had uh, the most beautiful weather today. We're just um, heading into spring now. I live in very flat terrain in northern T- um, Victoria. But today I played uh, bass guitar at a gig in Broadford, which is in the Dividing Ranges heading towards Melbourne. It was just so lovely to see the hills. So I've had an awesome day and I'm all ready to catch up with you guys. 
I have been having a look around the Facebook pages uh, for those who like the archers and it does seem as though there's a, I don't know, it must be the weather, must be where the moon is, but not everyone's being lovely to each other. So can I just encourage you, whichever site you like to go to, just be nice. And be nice be, be nice to each other, but be nice about the actors as well. It's, I think, to the characters, open slather. Uh, I asked the question about whether Ruth is being fair because I was a little bit concerned that uh, when she phoned, she only seemed to talk about herself and her mother and hadn't really asked much about the farm. But there was a very... And so I wanted to know, what do you think? And uh, there was a very mixed response. Some people said that um, Ruth was being really reasonable and others said, no, she's not, for the same reason that I thought. So here's a quick selection of those. Kirsty Johnson said, fair enough, David shouldn't have made some of the decisions without referring to her, but she's not been interested in listening to anybody else unless the conversation revolved around her mother. It's taken until this week for her to remember about the boys, and even then she asks about them after the cows. Diane Telford says, no, but she is very stressed and feeling very out of the loop, so I'm going to cut her some slack. But not for being rude, she is bloody annoying. Joe Jackson feels that she should be glad that he and Pip are dealing with it. None of the decisions apart from the loan are that big. She made the decision to move Heather Pet and didn't discuss it with Jill. I'd say she should keep her grumpy gob shot about the loan. It's not her money personally. She is so annoying at the moment. Kevin Slattery said pretty much as Glynn said, it would have been sensible for them to sit down and decide what Ruth should have troubled with while she was away with um, Heather Pett. She needed to relinquish some control but hasn't agreed to do it so it leaves her sound like a control freak and David lacking any empathy. Recipe for disaster. I was just looking for Dee Leary who as usual says something. She says I am team Ruth on this. It's the ghost of Hadley Hoch all over again. When David decided they were staying Ruth was rightly upset that he didn't consult her. Now she's under deep stress with her mum spending weeks away from home and life is going on as usual. Not only that, but David and Nupip are having a laugh and making decisions and she feels her state as a non-archer keenly. David is being a shit. So as you can see, there's a range of opinions there and that's absolutely why we put up these posts because we do want to hear your opinion and we don't care if they don't agree with us. I just would like to talk quickly about something that happened on Upstairs at the Bull. Stuart Arundale, my very clever Facebook friend who um, creates the graphics for Worst Character of the Week, and he really does do a very clever job with them. He put up a post saying, oh, if, if on Upstairs at the Bull we could raise £200, which would go to Refuge, which helps uh, people in domestic violence situations, then he would put them together as a PDF and he would post them up. And he did, and he has raised £474, and he has posted the book up. I He put it up as a PDF, I've made it into a flicky book, but he did the clever stuff, just did a little cyber thing. Um, I really encourage you to, first of all, to give to his cause, the cause that he's raising money for, and I'll put a link onto our page. But also, I really recommend that you have a look at the booklet himself and just see how clever he is it's so relevant every week and if you are an avid listener of the archers you will recognize lots of things in it so until next week where i will be calling you i hope from santa cruz in uh, america <laughs> until then hooroo thank you millie uh lucy yeah hashtag the archers tweets of the last 
Hmm. The last quarter of a lunar cycle, please. Uh, Jackie Schneider said there is nothing like a fig roll to make you rediscover your Oh, it's your not word. a quarter of a lunar cycle. Mm. No, it is. I was thinking of the phases of the moon. Yes, as you were, Lucy. Jackie Snyder, go for it. There is nothing like a fig roll to make you rediscover your will to live. I would agree with that. Uh, Ex, a little conversation between Exeter Dormouse and Julia Larwood. Exeter Dormouse said, her necklace days are over. Is that a thing? And Julia Larwood said, sotto voce, because my other granny cut her head off so she could stay at Brookfield. That's a rather unpleasant image. Uh, Barefoot Mower Mm. said... Carry on in the vegetable world. Hashtag, look at the size of it. Um, Ginger Beans said, no, let's have real grace. She faked her death, hid away for 60 years. Now she's back to invalidate Jill's marriage and Phil's will. <laughs> Can you imagine? And my favourite, the tweet of the week <laughs> was <laughs> Pip and um, Rex Fairbrother. They are like listening to, it's like listening to Father Ted but when both people are Father Dougal. That is honestly what it sounds like. They're both so thick. And Rex Fairbrother said to uh, said to Pip, have you seen Jurassic World? And she said, what, the movie? And Carrie said, no, the freaking jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> it just really made me laugh. Oh, it is like wading through porridge listening to those two. Mm. <sighs> you know that ginger beans one? Yeah. That sounds like a line from like the brave and the beautiful. There's a dreadful American soaps and everybody's all like oh, yeah, glam. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All the bold and the brave and the whatever yeah. the heck they're called. But that is completely a line from that. Maybe that's where Grace Archer is going to appear. Yeah. That'd be a great way to link up to docudramas. That's kind of what he meant. Oh, OK. <laughs> oh, sometimes <laughs> the cleverness of the of the of the, the Twitterers. Uh, just goes over my head. I don't think I'm intellectually qualified to be hosting this show. I think I need to hang up my podcasting microphone. Andrew Horn, I'm passing it on to you, sir. <laughs> but until I do, uh, why don't you go on to dumdydum.com to join in the debate on the forum where there are all manner of threads and all manner of discussion and comment going on at the moment. Uh, and remember, be nice on the forum as we do not want it going the same way as the other Ambridge message boards. No nastiness or flaming. Have we had any of that? Um, not yet, but it's it's come a little bit close. So I really? did put on a little uh, post yesterday saying behave yourselves. So I'm just saying everybody just be nice. And with a spoon has agreed to be the moderator on the forum. As well, kind of going forward. Oh, good. Daddy's in um, charge. Excellent. Yes, yes. We'll have a proper adult in charge of that. Now he's going to um, analyse why I think of Witherspoon as daddy. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, serious point, though, is that there has been Mustard Land. There's been um, the Archers forums on Facebook. There is, uh, there's been a habit or a history mm. of Archers-related forums being closed down because people just get too yeah. excitable and just get all nasty and, and unnecessary so play nicely or we are taking our ball home exactly and we'll kick you in the balls too whilst we're doing it uh, now if you needed another reason to log on to our wondrous website dumptydum.com you can go there to buy some of our merch we would like to thank kevin proven from south gloucestershire from taking the dumpty dum shop by storm this week and purchasing not one but two t-shirts 
One on, one in the wash. Good for you, Kevin. Absolutely. Now, Lucy. Yes. Remember I said I was retiring the iTunes review section? Yes. Oh, God, please don't say it's getting back. Well, I don't know about you. Right. Well, I do know about you from what you just said. <laughs> but I've missed it. And I also think it's a lovely way of just thanking people who've gone through the hoops and over the hurdles of, uh, you know, writing a review. So it's making a special one-off appearance uh, this week. So we would like to thank... Jolene. Uh, Giraffe HK and... Gen44UK. For their reviews on iTunes, as it is the best way of us getting new listeners to the show. So thank you very much. Yeah, no, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, We now have 203 rating stroke reviews. And it just shows you that retiring that section, right? How long ago did we we retire that section? Three months? I don't know, but it was so nice. Three months. Three months, yeah. And because we don't knock people over the heads with it week after week, we've only had three reviews in three months. That's all I'm saying. Mmm. Always a method in my madness. Mm. Uh, don't forget, you can also go to patreon.com. Now, don't worry about going on to patreon.com if you would like to uh, support the show for $2 each time. Um, I'm going to put a nice big buttony link type thing over on the right-hand side of dumdydum.com saying go to Patreon. Uh, so just go to Patreon. Oh, God. So just go to dumdydum.com. <laughs> uh, go on the right-hand side and you'll see a button saying patreon.com. And then you can click on that. And it's, uh, you can support us with $2 a show. You don't have to. It's totally discretionary. But if you'd like to, that'd be fantastic. And you can also donate to the show by going to our site and hitting the donate button. Cool. Order of John Archer news. Uh, the scroll with the names of the Johns is almost ready. We've had a bunk of munch right this week. <laughs> best part they could get from WH Smiths. And Did you hear what you promised. just said? You meant to say a bunch of monks and you said a bunk of munch. <laughs> No, I never. You did. did you I? wait till you hear it back. We've had a bunk of munch. <laughs> thinking you were laughing at my <laughs> my little bit of a witty line. Sorry. <laughs> I like bunk of munch. <clears throat> Sorry. I feel rather silly now. Sorry. Oh no, don't. It was a it was a, a, a spoonerism, wasn't it? Hmm. Yeah, it's very funny. Anyway, carry on. Who've got the best parchment? You can, oh, I don't even know where to start now. Anyway, the monks, they <laughs> promise <laughs> they will get everything written up. Is it parchment or vellum? I don't know what they've written this on. But anyway, all the quills have been out of quivering and uh, they're writing this all up and uh, it'll be nailed to something very soon and there'll be a town crier. Uh, decrying all the new Johns uh, next week also. But in the meanwhile, we've received yet another email regarding the order of Johns. Daniel John Heller said, I would like to stake a claim to being John the N plus one, because he doesn't know quite where we are, as neither do we. So, yeah. Um, Well, why, you may ask, do I feel entitled to such an award? Well, not only do I share the same first two names as the late John Daniel Archer, I also have the very same birth month and year, December 1975. Not only that, but my adult listening of the Archers started pretty much with the episode in which John was squished by the tractor. Oh, by the way, um, I can send you a photo of my birth certificate (laughs) if you let me know an email address. (laughs) I did laugh when I read this (laughs) Dear God, Daniel, do not be... It's not going to be posted online. (laughs) 
<laughs> Birth certificates, inside leg measurements and blood samples are not necessary, people, to get the order of John Archer. Um, I love your podcast, particularly the fact that it is clearly a community of people who listen to the Archers, but talk about what's on their mind. My particular pet theory is the titchinub has been vasectomized. Is that a word? Otherwise incapable of fathering a baby, hence he knew he wasn't Jesse's baby father and will be able to keep Helen under the thumb forever whilst they try for a baby. Ugh. Keep up the good work on the podcast. Daniel John Heller at Grinning Gibbons on the Twitters. Have you noticed how much Helen is trying to avoid Rob? She's getting him. She's sleeping in Henry's bed with him. Sometimes there's there's um uh there is a psychological thing where sometimes schools um they will, schools will notice that children are taking a lot of time off sick, and mm. when they investigate, sometimes they will find that actually it's not that the child doesn't want to go to school; it's that the child doesn't want to leave its parent alone because it is concerned about its parent and this bedwetting thing there might be a subconscious thing of uh him wanting to keep Helen he said she said he won't go to sleep unless I'm holding his hand and all that there might be a subconscious thing of he knows there's something not quite right about Rob he's seen the bruises maybe he's seen Helen lose her nerve with Rob and he might be actually trying to subconsciously protect Helen from Rob because there's a lot of stuff like she's giving Rob the wrong times for when it's pick up and drop off at nursery. She's sleeping in the bed with him. She's um, uh, uh, Rob said, oh, you need to go back to bed for a nap and maybe I'll come and join you in the relief. When she said, oh, no, look, Tom's here. We can't sort of thing. It's, yeah, very, very noticeable. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, and in the wrong place. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> But remember, folks, you can also get in contact. If you agree with what Lucy's just said, or violently disagree, if you're even sitting on the fence about it and just want to opine about sitting on the fence and that, we're going to, mm, I don't know, she could be right. Uh, you can get in contact with us via voice message, via SpeakPipe, which is the big red tabby thing, on any one of your computer type devices that connect to dumdydum.com. Or you can call us on 0203-031-3105 to leave us a message on a telephone advice. Device. Advice? Device. Uh, and that would be cool. Or on the Twitters, um, our most uh, social media avenue, we are at Dumpty Dum. Or you can tweet me where I'm at Royfield. Me at Lucy V Freeman. Oh, so, do you know, I'm going colourblind. Or Sarah Smith at, at Sarah underscore Smith. And here is a word from our lovely, awesome sponsor, Mr. Clive Burney, who is head honcho at Sarah Smith. Good people, good Dumpty Dum listeners. Boy, do we have a treat for you. We don't just give you the top brass of the archers. We give you now the top brass from Sarah Smith, our new wondrous sponsor. Say hello, sponsor. Hello. <laughs> Who are you, Clive? Um, I am Clive Burney, and I am one of the people who runs the company that makes Sarah Smith. Now, I thought we should get you on 
because um, you've made a somewhat significant uh, contribution uh, to us uh, for the next year and uh, we're absolutely cock-a-hoop and what, what's been absolutely great is the fact that listeners of our show have been going onto social media with with your cloths but um, what exactly is Sarah Smith what are your wipes and and why are you doing what you're doing with Dumpty Dum um, Sarah Smith is a brand of um, cleaning cloths uh, kitchen cloths dish cloths Clive, can I always have always been fascinated by cleaning cloths? So I, you know, so I, I'm I'm wrapped here. I got my wrapped attention. Aren't we all though? It's a fascinating area. <laughs> well, it's definitely uh, a necessity that we all need. Well, and that's the thing is that mm-hmm. that's where where the idea for Sarah Smith came from in the first place was that um, as this yeah bit of the supermarket where pretty much all of us go there at some point stick out our hand pick up a package of something and put it in our basket and walk away and we felt that it was all a bit too boring um a bit too staid you know a bit dull um or or sometimes a bit macho and lots of lots of products that are going hello we're really tough and we've got technology and this kind of stuff and we thought no you know it, it needs to be a bit more light-hearted a bit more fun it needs a bit of color um you know cleaning is a bit dull and rather than you know being advertised with messages that say it contains new xyz super ingredient you know why not just have a bit of fun you know line things up some flowers some color lots of pink let's muck about a bit and and um and that's what sarah smith is all about so how long has sarah smith as a product how long has it been in the shops Nearly 10 years now. It was actually 10 years ago this summer um, that Sainsbury's gave us the first break. Um, it was kind of kind of earlier that year that, um, or end of, end of 2004 into 2005, when um, myself, my wife Kate, and a designer friend um, had, had cooked up the idea of, of Sarah Smith. And, and people always say, well, who is Sarah Smith? And um, sometimes I say, oh, well, it's me, but only on the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Other times I say, well, it's it's kind of the three of us. Sarah Smith was the team name, and um, you know Sainsbury's gave us a break in the summer of 2005, put it put it in in stock for a few months um, to see how it goes, and it went well enough that that, that they kept it there. Um, and then we did a lot of kind of good food shows and things. So I mean, some of your listeners might have met us at some BBC Good Food shows over the years, um, and if they did, they probably met Kate who was for a long time, you know, um, as well as, as well as, you know, being part of the business, uh, uh, very much the face of Sarah Smith. She was on some of the earlier packaging with my daughter, Lucy, and, and our dog as well was on the website for a while as well. So people have met us um, in those places. So, yeah, you know, it's a family business and, um, you know, 10 years now. Quite amazing. I, I, I'm just imagining that the hardest thing to do well, after you came up with the whole concept was actually getting a supermarket chain to take them on board and you know, it kind of echoes the story of Tom Archer in The Archers where he worked incredibly hard to get a supermarket chain to take his, uh, his range of sausages so how exactly was that just making that tangential link back to The Archers? Nicely done, yeah absolutely um, not quite the same because we were already doing some business with Sainsbury's with some other products so we already had a business that was doing you a little in. yeah yeah we had some trade with Sainsbury's but, uh-huh. but not actually in that in that area we weren't selling them anything in that in that particular category um, and I think there was at the time a, a young Australian 
um, buyer working on that team, and she just she just liked the idea. She got it, and I think that's what we found over the years with with um, doing business with the supermarkets is if you get somebody in the chair who who gets Sarah Smith, and um, you know uh, maybe probably actually if they listen to the answers, it probably works because we did some research at one point, and this is why we 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 know why we're working together, Rightfield. Obviously, is that mm-hmm. that we know that our research says people who buy Sarah Smith like things like the archers, like Dumpty Dum. Um, therefore, it makes sense for us to kind of, you know, all get together and because we have the same audience in a sense, don't we? Absolutely. Uh, and sometimes that's what happens with the supermarket. You you you've got somebody in the chair who goes, "Oh yeah, I like this. I get this," and 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 so they give you a break. And I guess that would have been the same in real life with with the real life versions of people either with, with the sausages. You know, if uh, if you get the right guy on the right day and he likes the idea, you know, um, then you well, you well, get in. Well, Tom. Uh, dare I say he got in too? He ended up having an affair with with the, with the buyer. It all ended disastrously, though. Well, um, obviously, if if I tried to pursue a similar strategy, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd take great exception to that. So, so we'll, we'll 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 try not to repeat his error. <laughs> <laughs> so just 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 to end up, um, we love Sarah Smith uh, cloths and uh, you love uh, working with us but how exactly um, are you going to keep us on this how, what's going to be your measurement of success to, to know that let's say in 12 months time in 15 months time um, I'm going to be beating a path to your door saying we, we need to sign you up again okay well I guess we'd be looking to see that um, I mean at the end of the day this is this is about you know commercial interest we we look for fun ways of kind of keeping Keeping our, our our products in the in the public eye um, with the kind of people that we think might like them. Um, so rather than you know spending our money on you know just just advertising, then then let's have a bit of fun and get involved with with you guys um, doing something that makes people smile. So th- I guess there's one measure that comes back that if we 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 like seeing the pictures of of people with the Sarah Smith cloths, um, so that's all great fun. And you know, obviously, is if if we see a positive impact on sales, then you know we'll be we'll be begging you to keep keep it going. <laughs> um, but you know, it's partly it's partly um, having a bit of fun and 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 trying to you know be creative and advertise in a way that's not too not too dull and boring, and you know, create a conversation with people after all. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.